0: Church of the Brethren, I believe, uh just a just a few miles from here. But would you remember him? Now, how many of you have ever watched a magician perform a trick that left you for just a moment questioning, could magic be real? I remember in universe I was at Universal Studios for a magician's show once, and it was so good. And near the end of the, near the, end of the, the display or the, the show, the, the magician was standing on the platform and threw something to the ground, and smoke rose, and then he was gone. Now, I was not a kid. I was an adult. I was chaperoning on a senior trip, and my mouth was hanging open like, what just happened? And then his voice came from behind us all. He was in the back of the auditorium and started walking down, and everybody stands and gives him a standing o- ovation as he makes his way back. And I, I, again, I'm an adult, and I'm thinking, I just saw him up there. Then I saw him back. How in the world could that happen? Which is why I. I I really loved it a couple of years ago when there was this series of TV shows called Magic's Secrets Revealed. And it was it was a masked magician because you're not supposed to give away these secrets. But a masked magician came on and he would perform a magic trick in front of everybody. And then step by step would go through how the illusion took place. And really once he explained it you realize that it wasn't much more than excellent diversion a well-practiced movement and hidden compartments Sometimes very small hidden compartments with a person inside of it But at that point when you saw the explanation of the illusion, it was nothing more than just well excellent choreography And You know that's One of the ways people try to dismiss the empty tomb of jesus it was a well-planned event Many people gathered together and they took the body of jesus. He really was dead He really still is dead and they explain away the empty tomb and, and yes, some of those people will do just what we're doing they're going all dressed up and attend church with family on sunday morning and In, in expectation of gathering together around a, a dinner with loved ones and we laugh about a, a Full-sized bunny who hops around with a basket filled with colored easter eggs to hide Which I still don't know what a bunny and eggs have anything to do with, (laughs) with the resurrection of christ, but but okay but when you get past the fluff and Things of easter and you get down to the core of what easter sunday really is all about Easter sunday presents a problem for every person in this room Easter presents a problem for every person that is alive today. You see, Easter Sunday means if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real, everything has to change. Everything changes. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ truly took place, if it wasn't a magic trick with illusion and, and lies and secrecy, if it, if it really took place, then it is the single most important history that is the, the single most important event in history that has ever taken place. And it should lead everyone to rethink how you live your life. Because here's the issue, an author Mike Clarky he, he made the statement. This, this is what he said. He said there are only two plausible and acceptable reactions to the claims of the resurrection. Either we should picket the church on Easter Sunday for promoting and spreading a lie, and really wasting everyone's time. Or we can accept that the resurrection is true, and give our lives entirely over to Jesus. You have to decide. Either he's not alive, and this is a joke, what we're doing. That song we just sang, what what a farce, what a lie. Or if it is true, then we have a risen Lord who is Lord of all the earth and Lord of you and me. But see, if the resurrection... of of Christ didn't happen, we should shut the doors, go home, and you and I, we should live in whatever way makes us happiest. Do what we want to do, buy what we want to buy, doesn't matter about anything else other than our happiness, because if the resurrection is not true, then life ends when we die, so let's live it up now. Why waste our time in a place like this? And I'm not the only person that said that. The apostle Paul himself said that. You have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians. I want you to look at verse number 14 and then also verse number 17. This is what the Apostle Paul, the the missionary who spent his life journeying with the message of Jesus Christ, he said this, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And then verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, And you are still in your sins Paul This is not Brian talking This is the apostle Paul saying If the resurrection didn't happen If Jesus is still in the grave It's pointless But if it did happen And we have to shake ourselves free of thinking that life is all about what do I want today? What will make me happy? What would I like to do with my time? What would I like to spend my money on? What what do I want to do? We have to shake ourselves free of this reality of understanding that life is not all about me. But there's someone greater that I should be living for. In fact, not just living for if Christ is risen from the grave. Then we should fall to our knees in worship of jesus and say lord, what would you have me do? And I know that sounds radical to some C.S. lewis a man who was once an atheist became a theologian. I agree with what he says about christianity He said this christianity if false is of no importance Meaning like if what we believe is a lie we it's just foolish for us to but if it's true, it's of infinite importance. Nothing is greater. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately kind of important. It's either of no value to us at all or it is of greatest value. And yet, I don't know about you, but I know what I do. I love to live in the middle. I love to say, yeah, it's important, but it's not the most important thing. I mean, there's other things that are more important. But either the resurrection is not true, so it's not important, or it is true, and it's of greatest importance. And since all of Christianity hinges on the resurrection, everything we believe sits on the belief of what we celebrate today today. This cannot be just a day where we get dressed up, come to church, sit for a meal with our family like we do at every other national holiday. This means something different. The resurrection, the Easter Sunday we celebrate, it changes everything. Today I just want to share with you three ways that the empty tomb changes everything for us today. So I'm going to read them together with you so you know what we're going to talk about. I'm going to share just a a moment of prayer and then we're going to flesh these, these three thoughts out. First of all, what the empty tomb does is it reminds us that God is not done working even when it appears God is done working. The empty tomb also reminds us that before we can believe the greatest news ever, we must accept the worst news ever. And the empty tomb also reminds us the best is yet to come would you pray with me and let's pray for pastor jack father as we pause to celebrate the resurrection father we have a brother who's in critical condition right now needing needing your healing touch and i pray that you would comfort even his wife as she's there with her and lord that you would would bring healing to jack's body and you bring comfort to his wife and that even to his church, Lord, that your presence would still meet with them and that your spirit would be what's most important. The, the pastors, we're just vessels. You are the meal. You are the truth. You are what we are delivering. So whoever stands before that church today, I just pray that Jesus would be magnified and glorified. And I pray that in this room, there is nothing that is important in, this, in our minds and in our hearts other than the risen Savior. And may we just rejoice, Jesus, in in the fact that you are alive and in what your life means to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. You know the birth of Jesus took place thousands of years after the Garden of Eden when Adam sinned and God said I'm going to send a child, a child born of woman whose heel will be bruised by by the same serpent that deceived you, but but that child will will then crush the head of the serpent and that child would be jesus who would right all the wrongs in the world since eden that had well sin had brought to this world god actually created adam and adam in the new testament is called the son of god and adam failed and god brought a group of people to himself called the nation of israel and in exodus israel is called the son of god and And the the point of Israel was to live in such a way that the world around them would look in in on Israel and see the glory of God and want to partake in the glory of God that Israel was living for. But if you have ever read the Old Testament, you know that the Old Testament is filled with failure after failure after failure of Israel, well, being that light to the nations around them since adam the son of god failed and since israel the son of god failed jesus came as the son of god and jesus came for a purpose he he came to rightly live out all the ways that israel had failed and to perfectly fulfill the desires of his father and to do so in such a way that the world would take note and and be able to see that Jesus truly was the Son of God come to earth as we celebrate it today. And all throughout the Gospels, you begin to see these comparisons between Jesus, the Son, and Israel. They both pass through waters, Israel through the Red Sea, Jesus through the waters of baptism. After the parting of the waters, they both were led out into the wilderness, Israel, where they would fail to trust God and and fail to believe in God's provision and his protection and his direction. Jesus, after his baptism, would be led out into the wilderness to face the temptations of Satan and yet would always trust the Father. Israel would be led by 12 tribes. Jesus would choose 12 disciples, the 12 tribes to turn from the Father, the 12 disciples to turn from Jesus, but Jesus always with his eyes and his faith on his Father. Moses would ascend a mountain to deliver a new way to live to the people called the Ten Commandments. Jesus, from the Sermon on the Mount, would deliver a new way to live to the people, not just simply by keeping a commandment, but by loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength we continue to see these comparisons jesus would would call himself the 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 light of the world and and it would remind israel you were called to be the light of the world but you did not allow god's glory to be seen and noticed by the worlds around you jesus would call himself the bread of life and the living water a reminder of israel's complaints of the manna and the water from a rock that god had provided for them jesus would call himself the true vine Reminding israel they were to be the vine But when the world came to be satisfied by the fruit of israel, they found it to be wild useless grapes Israel had been given a promised land A place where they would be able to allow themselves to live in such a way that everyone would be in awe But they failed by turning from god. Jesus came to offer a new promised land but not just the futuristic heavenly promised land like we think. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not a place we will go to one day. The kingdom of God is a way we live. And Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to this world, the kingdom of God where God's reign is over God's people in God's place, which is everywhere, for God's glory. And that is what Jesus came to bring to earth, the kingdom of God, a kingdom where we see with spiritual eyes while everyone else only looks to the natural. For example, in the kingdom of God, we can look at men who sit in seats of power and realize, hmm. With my spiritual eyes, I know that a sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent God is the one who put those men in seats of power. The one truly in charge is not the one in the seat, but the one in the heavens. That's living the kingdom of God. It's in knowing that we live in a broken, sinful world, that when sorrow comes, we don't have to go, why did that happen? Why? because we live in a broken, sinful world. And tragedies happen all around us all the time, and the answer to why is because of sin. But we could put those spiritual eyes on and say, I know that this world is not the end. And I know there is a world awaiting us where sin and sorrow are no more, and so I can endure while I wait for that. The kingdom of God is where the people of God don't complain about the people around them and how worldly they are, but we go about changing the world around us by making disciples, people who live under the reign of God, in God's place, for God's glory. And the glory of God stretches through Page County, not because we're Democratic or Republican, but the glory of God stretches through Page County because we are Christians following jesus and that's the kingdom that jesus came declaring to bring it was a kingdom that righted the wrongs from eden but it to everyone it was an upside down kingdom he said those who serve are the greatest well that did not make any sense He said don't live for your own comfort and pleasure But rather take up a cross and follow me and that doesn't make any sense It's a kingdom where the rich are pitied because the rich can't see their need for a savior Where where the wise are considered foolish because they can't recognize their own condition a place where the sick and the needy and the poor are actually Celebrated because it's only when you recognize yourselves as sick needy and poor. Do you see your need for a savior? It's a kingdom where men don't look to other men to provide what only God can bring in holiness and healing and salvation. And it's a kingdom where you're not received by the Jewish blood, but you are received by Jesus' blood. A kingdom where the blind are given back their sight, the deaf are given back their hearing, lepers are cleansed, dead are raised, poor hear the good news preached to them, and captives are set free. That is the kingdom that Jesus came preaching. And he preached it, declaring himself to be the true, the better, the perfect Son of God. And then he died. Like dead died dead what was all that kingdom talk and every gospel writer says the same thing Matthew the way he says it is that Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb which he had cut in the rock and rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and Joseph he didn't sit down and wait for the resurrection Joseph Went away Because all hope was lost because that man that talked about the coming kingdom was dead Mark says that she mary went and told those who had been with him and they mourned and wept because it was hopeless The kingdom wasn't coming But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her they would not even believe it There, There was no hope Luke says this of some disciples talking concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped, but he's not. He's dead. John says on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus's disciples are huddled in fear without hope because the kingdom wasn't coming his words were more, nothing more than empty promises his works helped people they were just temporary not eternal no more blind eyes no more deaf ears no more dead raised to life no more captives set free no more preaching of the good news to the poor Jesus was dead it was over They thought And then On the third day Every gospel writer has his Way of sharing. Matthew says this But the angel said to the woman do not be afraid for I know that you seek jesus who was crucified He is not here for he has risen as he said come and see the place where he lay And mark says this and entering the tomb They saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe and they were alarmed and he said do not be alarmed you see jesus of nazareth who was crucified he has risen he is not here see the place where they laid him and luke says but on the first day of the week at early dawn they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they did not find the body of the lord jesus who wasn't there and john says now on the first day of the week mary magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and Saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb So she ran and went to simon peter and the other disciple the one whom jesus loved and said to them they have they 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 have taken the lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him And i'll tell you this everything hinges on that statement Have they taken him because if they have taken him We need to shut the doors and go home If they've hidden him and don't know where he's laid it's it's over was his body moved As mary assumed was it stolen as some would say Was he dead? Or could it be? that He was truly alive Well, well i'm sure that Some believe that he was not truly dead when he went into the tomb. That's how he got up and and walked out. But you're talking about Roman soldiers who are experts in death, and and remember they stuck a spear to his heart. Jesus was not living when they placed him in that tomb. We can dismiss that. Well, well, what if it was just a made up illusion and people just got together and they they said let's come up with this solution. And the problem with that is, is every eyewitness to the tomb first was a woman. And in these days women weren't even allowed to testify in court because they weren't considered credible witnesses So why if you're going to come up with a lie would you start with someone that people wouldn't even possibly believe so we could dismiss that Well, the disciples probably stole his body, right? Well, every one of the disciples was tortured to a painful death. Why would they die for a lie? so we could Dismissed that as well. What, is, what if his body was just moved, as Mary said, and they just hid it? Well, then the chief priest could have solved everything by just producing the body. All talk of the resurrection is over. But they didn't do that. Instead, they paid the soldiers to say, say this. So we could theorize that Jesus still is dead. Or we can believe as the bible tells us and as other historical writings tell us that jesus of nazareth for 40 days after his resurrection and before his ascension spent time with over 500 different people and those reports were written while those 500 people most of them would have still been alive and able to refute the lie and so did Jesus really ra- raise himself from the dead? Is he truly alive? And if, it is, if he is, what does it mean for us? And here's what it means. It means you have to choose. If It's a lie. And if you Believe that trust me. Nothing. I say will convince you of it The holy spirit would have to do a work in your heart. So i'm not going to try to convince you otherwise In fact, if you think it's a lie, I would tell I would just encourage you investigate it for yourself But if you think it's a lie, then this is a waste of time Or if you say I believe it's true Now if you believe it's true Then there's some really good news about what the empty tomb means for you Here's here's what it means. It means that god is not done working even when it appears he is done working that's what the empty tomb means for you today see jesus had to die like this cross had to take place for for our sins to be forgiven because god makes it very clear both all from genesis to romans that the wages of sin is death so if i die In my sin, I deserve death. And it's not just of my body, but of my soul. Eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That's what I deserve. And that's what Jesus went to the cross to bear upon himself. The punishment for my sins, for your sins, for the sins of the world. And this cross means forgiveness. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life. But what good is it to die forgiven? If all you do is go into the ground and stay dead We need the cross because we need our sins forgiven But we need the resurrection because jesus had to go and he had to defeat Sin in his death, but he had to come out of the grave to defeat death in order to give us life man without the cross we die in our sins without the resurrection we die maybe sinless but we die we needed the resurrection for jesus to be able to have the power to offer new life to all people ah you see the death of jesus was so important but he wasn't done working just because he died and so many of his disciples and so many of his followers when that stone was rolled in front all hope was lost it's over god came he said he did all these miracles he changed lives but oh no now it's done god's done working oh no he's not just you wait on that third day this stones rolled away not for me to get out but for you to come in and see i'm not here this tomb is empty i have defeated death which means now i could come and bring you life and what that means is there are areas in your life today that are dead you have lost hope yeah yeah that wayward child that child that you had poured your life into and brought them up to the best of your understanding and knowledge and tried to lead them to a love for Jesus and they've walked away from the faith all on their own and you continuously pray for them but in the back of your mind you have given up hope no no you keep praying because God's not done working even when it appears he may be done working there is life to come out of death I know your marriage is hopeless. It's in the ground, dead. Behind the stone, rolled in its place, dead. No hope. <laughs> you are so wrong. Because God is not done working. Even when it appears he's done working my, my is And there my child has walked away. I've been praying for a loved one for so long to come to Jesus. But they just won't believe God must just not be doing what i ask. Please don't give up. Because God's not done working. Even when it appears he might be done working. Say so- ah. How do I get this life that jesus offers and it's it's awesome. It's amazing though Remember how jesus's kingdom is upside down the way to life is through death The gospel teaches us that the the way that death is the inescapable way to life And jesus says it so beautifully when he takes up just a small little corn of wheat And he says if I put this corn of wheat in my pocket, it can stay there forever But if I drop it on the ground and it rots away and death comes to it then life can come out of that death and much fruit can be found and Jesus says to you and I if you love your life so much that you're unwilling to let it go to die to the belief that you are your own savior, to die to the belief that it's up to you on how to get to heaven one day If you hold on to it that much, you're going to lose it if you love it that much. But whoever hates his life, not to say I despise the way I live, but that I'm willing to give it up because I have a greater love. If you're willing to hate your life for the love that you have for Jesus, then you will keep that life for eternal life. I love it. But two, the empty tomb reminds us that before we can believe the greatest news ever, we must accept the worst news ever Why did the disciples celebrate jesus's resurrection simple because they knew he was dead Like with, without knowing jesus is dead seeing him on the street three days later really isn't all that important You understand why some people will well they go to church and they kind of put up with yeah i'll go with you relative I'll come come to church with you, sure, but like I don't really get why all these people are excited about Jesus and his resurrection Many people that think that have this idea in mind that one day when they die there's going to be a scale A scale that has all their good works on one side and all their bad works on the other side and And no and as long as they've done more good than bad they they're they're guaranteed of eternal life That's how I get to heaven. But see that's not what the bible tells us Bible tells us that no no matter how much good we do, this sin that we have, this sin must be paid for and it must be paid for with eternal punishment, eternal separation from God. So no matter how many good things you do in your life, you still have to contend with the the sin. And there's only one way to contend with sin, and that's through Jesus. So here's, here's the worst news ever for you. Ready? If you die without christ if you die If you die apart from christ You will spend eternity in a place called hell apart from god That is the just punishment for sin That's the worst news ever But that news has to be accepted For you can believe the best news ever And the best news ever The best news ever is that sin that you committed, Jesus didn't commit any sin. He was sinless, and he went to that cross, and he said, God, I will take the wrath of sin for the whole world upon myself. And Jesus took all of God's wrath for all of the sin of the world, and he died in our place. he was placed in that tomb and then he came out of that tomb three days later so that he could say if you believe in me not just believe i live but if you believe i died for you and i am living for you and if you will turn to me as your lord and savior i will give you life because i have conquered death but there's just one condition you have to admit your condition And the problem is a lot of people don't like to do that You imagine if you were near bankruptcy concerned that you had no money and All the bills were piling up and you couldn't sleep and you were tossing and turning and worrying How am I ever going to pay this and then someone came along and said i'll pay for your entire debt Think of the gratitude you would have for that person and when they ask you Hey, how much debt do you have you would say just a couple bucks? just a couple bucks you only need a couple bucks how foolish would that be but people sometimes you hear the story of jesus says i will pay it all for you You say well that's really nice that jesus died i guess i can kind of add jesus to me but really it's going to come down to whether i'm a good person Can i encourage you the best news ever that eternal life is a gift of god it's only received, and only believed when you accept the worst news ever: that you're gonna die apart from him. And the gospel leads us to admit that the greatest problems in our life are inside, not outside of us. The greatest problem in your life is not someone in the White House. The greatest problem in your life is not your wife or your husband. The greatest problem in your life is you and the sin inside of you. And until we are willing to admit that, we'll never accept the good news that Jesus has. And last, the empty tomb reminds us that the best is yet to come. This is what Jesus wanted everyone to know, that the best is yet to come. And I think of so many people who walked away from Jesus during his earthly ministry. What they were saying is, what I want now is more important than what you have to offer. My treasures today are more important than treasures someday. But Jesus, when he looked at the cross... he what awaited him. He knew with the separation from the Father he would endure in our place. He knew the death would come. He knew the hell he would endure and yet he walked into it because he walked to the cross knowing the best is yet to come and the best for Jesus was not just the empty tomb. That was really good but the best for Jesus is that one day he's going to introduce you if you are a believer he's going to introduce you to the Father. How awesome is that? The best is yet to come in his resurrection jesus defeated death and he did it for himself and for all who would believe i want to show you if you're back in if you're still in first corinthians let me just read you a few more verses verse number 20 the bible says this but in fact christ has been raised from the dead that's the apostle paul the one who said if, if christ hasn't you're dead your, your faith is no good he says but in fact christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep first fruits You ever see a tree that has a fruit tree once you see one fruit on there You know what it's telling you there's a harvest to come (laughs) You know what jesus's empty tomb says There's a harvest of empty tombs to come He's the first fruit Because he says this in verse number 23 paul says but each in his own order Christ the first fruits then at his coming those who belong to christ then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to god the father after destroying every rule and every authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet jesus is the first fruits and then we come along and we watch as every enemy of christ is defeated uh-huh. that's gonna be good because you know what you know what awaits on the other side you know what awaits when that happens well here's what here's what paul Tripp said I love Paul Tripp and he he said this the journey of Jesus to the cross didn't end with the cross But with the victory of the empty tomb and that's a very good thing and here's why Because of what Jesus has done you can rest in knowing the glorious way your Story will end i'm gonna die one day. How's my story gonna end? Well, well we can know because we know Jesus' story. Here's what he said in fact because of the grace of Jesus the end of your story is that your story Has no end How cool is that Isn't that just the greatest news right Because Jesus came out of that Doom and he's alive And he offers new life to us When we die huh? It doesn't end there I'm going to have an empty tomb That's why I could sit at the Side of a man Who's the father of one of the men in our church A man who is at death's doorstep, without a doubt. Hospice has been called in. His body has grown weak and frail, but his mind is very much alert. And yesterday as we sat and we talked, and he had pictures of his family all over his room, and he was talking about all the things that he did for the united states and traveling all across the middle east and serving our country and how much he he loved doing that and the pictures of his family and how much he loves his family and especially his grandkids and with the great alertness of his life he said but i know where i'm going when i die and he said they asked me do i want any medicine for anxiety and he said why would i be anxious i know what's going to happen and he looked at me, and with tears welling up in his eyes, he said, I'm going to miss my family, and I'm going to miss those grandkids especially. But I probably won't even think about that once my eyes see Jesus. We, we sat there and we read John chapter 16 together for a little bit, and, and you should have seen the smile on his face as we talked about the joy that comes when we enter the presence of Jesus. This man does not fear death. Not looking forward to it, but bring it on, because I know where I'm going, because I know Jesus. and here and i'm 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 finishing but here's here's what awaits us you just got to hear about what awaits us because what 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 isaiah tells us is is a little bit about what's to come he says for behold i create new heavens and a new earth and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind but be glad and rejoice forever in that which i create for behold i create jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more weeping, no more crying. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days. No more death, a child. Or or an old man who does not fill out his days. No more early death for those old men. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruits Before they call I will answer while they are yet speaking. I will hear the wolf and the lamb shall graze together The lion shall eat straw like the ox the dust shall be the serpent's food They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. That is the land that awaits us And because we know the end of his story ends with an empty tomb we can know that the end of our story Is that our story Has no end Praise the Lord Occasionally at a graveside I'll share I read of an author Who talked of two different gravestones One of those gravestones Is Mel Blanc He is the creator of Looney Tunes On Mel Blanc's Gravestone are three words Can you guess what they are? Three words that end every episode of looney tunes That's all folks You know if if when we die here if that's all folks Then we're really wasting our time It really makes no point If when we die we go to the ground that's all folks But if the resurrection of jesus christ is real And if he has defeated sin in his death and has defeated death in his life And he offers it to all who believe then if we place our faith and trust in what jesus christ has done Here's What we can do The author's second tombstone of his grandmother Who's buried beneath an oak tree Near a church in tennessee and on her gravestone just one word one word waiting just waiting for that tomb to empty and for that body to be reunited with the soul that's already in the presence of Jesus. Waiting. The resurrection of Jesus brings a choice to you. Do you believe it to be a lie? Then chase the lie. Don't bother with this. If you believe it to be true and you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, life eternal is offered to you In just a moment, we're going to pray And if you're someone who has already placed your faith and trust in jesus I'm going to ask you to do two things while we pray number one Will you examine your own heart? And here's what I want you to search hard Is there anything in your life that you have already given up hope on believing that god is done working? And if so may I ask you to resurrect it and say god, you're not done working Even when I think you're done working Bring resurrection power to this and two, would you pray if there's anybody here today or across the world today who's going to hear the gospel for the first time or have their ears open to the gospel? Would you pray that they accept it? If you're on the other side and you say, I, "I just, I just, I've heard of Jesus. I just didn't know it. I thought I could be a good person and get into heaven," but I understand it. You know, if I die in my sin, I die separated from God. Yes, yes, because God's holy and we're sinners. The Bible tells us all of sin. God's just and we're guilty. We're going to stand before God one day and, and, and the wages of sin is death. It's just the way it is. But that God is love and Jesus came to save you. God is love and Jesus came to save you and he will save any who place their faith and trust in his work and not in our own. And that opportunity is offered to you today. And if you would like to reach out and touch it and grab it, I would love to be a part of helping you do that. And so when we pray, if you know Jesus, examine your heart you don't know jesus would you reach out and say i know i'm a sinner in need of a savior would you pray with me father today is all about your glory and i know that jesus came to display your glory to the world jesus lived it out and we just we just didn't believe it. We, wicked men put him against that cross and they nailed him there but those nails didn't hold him love did and he died for our sin to be forgiven but he came out of that grave and he rose from the grave so that he could defeat death to offer life to any who believe and lord for these who are gathered i know many believers in this room today and lord i pray that you would encourage their hearts that if there's an area that they have they're struggling with that hope might be lost That you would remind them, God's not done working, even when it appears God's done working. Resurrection power awaits. And Father, if there's those who are here today and they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, if they've never placed their faith and trust in you, God, I pray that you would surround them right now with your spirit, that it would bring conviction to their heart, so that they would understand the truth that has been presented, and Lord, that they in their hearts would reach out and say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I need you, Jesus. And if that's you, I would just encourage you to just these words won't save you. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's the belief in your heart that saves you. But, but if you're wanting to reach out to Jesus, it's as simple as saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I really thought that I was the way to heaven just by being a good person. But Lord, I see that in my sin, I'll die apart from you. And I need you for the forgiveness of my sins and I trust you, Jesus. And what you did on the cross is the forgiveness of my sins and I trust your resurrection as the life that I live, that I need after death. And Jesus, I turn to you and place my faith and trust in you and in you alone as my only hope for eternal life. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and... You just prayed that prayer you just reached out or you you said I am a sinner in need of a savior And I get that and I turn to jesus if that's you i'm not going to ask you to raise a hand I'm, not going to ask you to move anywhere out of your seats, but I would love it Would you just look up at me for just a moment so I could see your eyes so I could pray with you Pray that god Continues to work in you Beyond today. Would you just would you just look at me and would you give me? Thank you. Amen Thank you Amen. Anybody else? I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I turn to Christ. If there's anybody else, I'll be at the back doors. I would love for you just to stop by and shake my hand and say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I'd love to share, the, continue to share the good news with you. If you're a believer, let's keep believing that God's not done working. Even when it appears God is done working, because He's not. The resurrection awaits us after death. Father, we rejoice in you and in your Son, Jesus. Thank you for what this Easter weekend means in the death and in the resurrection of our Savior in our place. Thank you for being our Lord, our Creator, our friend, our guide. And one day we will see you face to face. What a day that will be. Because the best is yet to come. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Pastor Mike's going to share a few thoughts. And then Aaron's going to lead us in the chorus.